Welcome to the Shannon Plan. This is episode 72. So fresh off of the holiday. Hope you all had a lovely holiday. Please, as always, wherever it is you get your podcast, rate, subscribe, review, leave us five stars. Let us know what you like. I am joined as always by Akash. We're going to talk about the 49ers. Akash, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, KP. Happy holidays to you. Happy holidays to our listener, our, our listeners. Hopefully it's plural. Um, <laughs> I hope you weren't like tweets over the weekend like a certain someone Oof. and you were, uh, you know, uh, off the Twitters. Well, you know, he was in church, so fat fingered it. Nothing to see here. Very accidental and something that, <laughs> something that we all so, do, right? Just accidentally like something. Such a far-fetched story. Uh, and then his head coach, naturally. Uh, defended him, which he should and which he tends to do um, after that Kyle Shannon on Monday said, um, hey, if I had a Twitter, I'd probably do the same thing, too. That's why I don't have one. All righty. So what else on Monday? There was a bomb dropped on us, man. So Jimmy Garoppolo, he has a torn UCL. He has a fracture in his right thumb. He's probably going to miss the rest of the season. Of course, that's not set in stone yet. Kyle Shannon will speak today. And then if Trey Lance shows up at the podium, then we know that Trey Lance will for sure be starting on Sunday. But what, I mean, what did you make of that? So there was a lot going on in there. So at first Kyle Shannon said, hey, just a thumb sprain. He'll be fine. We'll be reevaluated on Wednesday. And then coming in hot, Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport were like, nope, it's a little bit more than that. It's actually quite a bit more serious, more severe than the thumb sprain. What'd you make of that whole conversation and how that story unfolded with Garoppolo's injury? There, there's levels to this. It started out with the Athletics' Matt Barrow saying, Jimmy Garoppolo is missing at practice. I don't think it's COVID-related. So immediately you start wondering, like, what's going on? So Monday, for, for those of you guys don't, that don't know, on a typical week, they don't necessarily practice on Monday. They've got some team meetings. If they play on Sunday, they come back in Monday to look at the film. Tuesday's an off day. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday's practice uh, ahead of a, on a normal game week. But because they played on a Thursday, they had a bonus practice on Monday, which I think was optional. So not everyone had to show, but you'd want your quarterback, leader of your team, and basically every key player to show up on Monday because, you know, they're coming off a loss. They're, they're facing a must-win game, and Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't there. So you, you start to wonder why. Because after the game on Thursday, there was nothing brought up about an injury uh, to Garoppolo. There wasn't any play where he was taken out. Uh, you know, the broadcast and talk about any injury. So you just wonder, like, what had happened. And just like you mentioned, uh, Kyle Shanahan mentioned, hey, he's got a thumb sprain on his throwing hand, and we'll see how it goes. And so you're thinking, okay, he's probably iffy, maybe 50-50. We'll see kind of on Wednesday when the 49ers come back to practice, is Jimmy Garoppolo going to be there? And then immediately, like you mentioned, Schefter, Rappaport, dropped the news that he has a thumb fracture, a chipped bone, and a torn ligament. Um, which is an injury that Drew Brees had a couple years ago, and he missed like four or five games. So Jimmy Garoppolo probably done for the season. But the the weird part is, how did Kyle Shanahan not know that it was a thumb fracture, yet the national reporters knew that it was a thumb fracture, considering that he had four days to get you know x-rays, MRIs, all the imaging tests, all that stuff done. Yet somehow within the 30 minutes between Shanahan speaking and Schefter saying stuff, that the injury severity changed. Like, how does the team not know what his injury is, what his status is, but the national media does? So it just all seemed a little too weird for me uh, that, you know, the 49ers weren't fully aware of his injury. And I just think something bigger is going on behind the scenes. Um, is he hurt? Yes, of course. But there's more to this story than 
both sides are letting on. Is that kind of how you felt as you heard this story? Like, what were your thoughts as all this stuff was going down Monday? Yeah, well, Shanahan never really, you know, discloses the full anything of what he's talking about. He, and even when he was talking about, you know, after he said Jimmy did have a thumb sprain, once he said he'll be reevaluated on Wednesday, he really said it like, like he didn't even say it out loud. He mumbled through it. So like we couldn't get a real grasp of when Jimmy would get back. So, yeah, I think there's always a question like, where is this information coming from? Why? And I mean, if we just go back to Kyle, it seems like he never knows the full injury report on his own team. And of course, this could be on purpose. He's not like there's no real reason or competitive advantage that it gives him and his team to say what's really going on. But yeah, something's fishy. Something was fishy there. And we'll probably never know the full story. We might get it in April from Peter King or from whoever. But who knows? I think the real the real story here is this opens the door for Trey Lance. And one of the things that I, I want to talk about was, you know, are there things that Jimmy does that we take for granted? Like, for example, I think as of late in the month of December, he's d- done a really nice job of just going through all of his progressions. And I'm not talking about where the ball ends up. I'm just talking about going from one to two to three and then potentially hitting his check down. I thought he, he's played much faster in the pocket in that sense. Trey Lance is a rookie, and if you remember when he was starting, um, when he started against the Cardinals, when he, even in that half against Seattle, he would drop back, and if that first read wasn't open, he was probably taking off. More often than not, there were plays where he would go through his progressions, but primarily that wasn't his game. So that's something that I want to keep an eye on for Lance, just to see how much he's grown in the past couple of months. And then, of course, you know the things that he will be able to compensate for you know, not not having the veteran ability, not doing the veteran things that Jimmy would be. So, for example, will he be able to run out of those sacks? Because I think he did a really nice job of that again against Arizona. And that was two months ago. So, like, we've seen people come out on the team, go out of their way to talk highly about Lance. Fred Warner did it. Lakin Thompson did it just a couple of days ago. Shanahan, best practice of in the last month. He's been his best. He's been at his you know, he's been the greatest player, practice player of all time, essentially is what they're saying. Um, we've also seen even John Lynch came out and said, and this is all, you know, out of the blue. They didn't have to say this. And this was even before um, the injury. So they're, they're clearly seeing some positive things from Lance. But now we get to see him do it under the lights, like against an actual NFL team and not the same defense that he's seeing every day. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. Also want to see, you know, is he pushing the ball down the field? Is he aggressive? Or is he second guessing himself? So there's a lot going on with Trey Lance. And it we're gonna be in the hypothetical world through Sunday just because we only have that one game. And then of course, I mean, if you even want to count the second half against Seattle. So I guess the real question comes down to like, is is Lance ready? That's a good question. And for those of us that don't go to practice, right? You don't you haven't seen Trey Lance participate in a real game in over two months. Basically, since that Arizona game, he hasn't taken a snap. If you don't go to practice, you just haven't seen him do anything uh live. And so you have no idea what to expect except for what uh you kind of heard through the media or you've heard the players say. And you know, I wanted to ask you before we even get into Trey Lance, is this something that the 49ers have been setting up for a few weeks? Because it, it seems like if you just, you know, step back a little bit, you know, Fred Warner spoke with the media a couple weeks ago and kind of unknowingly he said, you know, Trey Lance has been carving this defense up. He's looked fantastic in practice. And then John Lynch spoke to Matt Mayoko and they said Trey Lance has had his, you know, 
best month ever since he healed from that finger injury that he injured in the preseason. We talked about this on the live stream over the, you know, last week that he's just looked a lot better. He's been a lot more comfortable. You think this is something that they had been setting up a little bit like, Hey, if Jimmy Garoppolo has a bad game or if he, you know, kind of shits the bed and we lose a game, then maybe we can turn it over to Trey Lance because Trey Lance has shown us some development and they were just planting the seeds in the media. Then Garoppolo has a bad game and then boom, there's an injury, and now it's just a natural segue from Garoppolo into Lance. It feels like they've been building up to this. Um, so Lynch is a media guy, and he just says whatever's on his mind, oftentimes too much. But I think in that case, he was just kind of talking. I think Warner actually really meant it. I think he he legit saw some things during practice from Lance. And, again, he was unprovoked. Had nothing to do with they were talking about nothing to do with the court uh, tray, right. and he brought him up. So I think that was legit. So I mean, again, this is like conspiracy theory. I I don't think so. I I know that it does kind of seem like that, and they opened the door like maybe for like a softer landing if this if it did get here. But right. I really don't, man. Just because again, we we've talked about this almost every week, and even when Jimmy had been playing poorly. So when that happens, still. Like he's going to be the starting quarterback if he's healthy. Um, it maybe if Jimmy was hurt, sure, but that's not something that they were going to project. So they right. needed like these are must-win games. They had to go into these games, you know, thinking that they are going to. If they don't win, they are going to miss the playoffs. And over and over again, Shanahan has been like, "Hey, he gives us the best chance to win." And without even closing the door, even on Lance and Garoppolo moving forward, he said he still said like, "I'm going to play the guy who gives us the best chance to win." So I, I don't think so. Um, I, I I do wonder why, though. Like, where where was this Lance, Lance talk coming from? Because knowing that Garoppolo was going to be the starter, he was entrenched as a starter, like, why bring up Lance's name? Exactly. And, and the timing of it just seemed funky, right? And, and Kyle Shanahan even mentioned that Trey Lance had his best practice of the month. And, you know, there was it seemed like there was no reason to focus on it over the last few weeks. Yet Matt Mayoko, who probably cut is the closest to the 49ers brass and usually when he says something you kind of listen and when he brought up the fact that you know Trey Lance is looking great when there was seemingly no reason for it you kind of wondered like ah like what's the motivation for this and yeah of course I mean at the end of the day Jim Garoppolo's hurt so the natural thing is to put in Lance uh, but it just makes you wonder like if Garoppolo is healthy would they have benched him after a performance like that and so it just gets your you know just gets the juices flowing but it's a, it's a scenario that we don't necessarily have to play out because of Garoppolo's injury. But that being said, Garoppolo, over the last you know five or six weeks, I think some things that Trey Lance may not be able to pick up on like immediately is just his operation of, and execution of the offense. It just looked like he was a little bit more comfortable over the last month, like you mentioned, going through his reads. Um, maybe it wasn't always, but more often than not, he was making the right decision with the ball. And that's something that, you know, Trey Lance is just going to have to learn with reps. So is that going to come right out of the gate against the Texans? Not sure. Um, you know, it's not something that we saw very consistently against the Cardinals or the Seahawks. Though he was put in a tough situation, you know, very early in the season. So he's had a couple months. So I'm intrigued to see what his progression is, how his decision-making looks, uh, just his ball placement and accuracy. And then on top of that, can he, you know, switch up you know, the speed of his throws, because he was just throwing 99 mile an hour heaters. Can he, you know, throw some touch? Can he lob, you know, lob it in there? Can he, you know, you know, just be more comfortable in the offense, just look 
more competent, show some progress, show some development over this past year. Because the whole argument for sitting him is that he's going to develop on the sidelines. So, hey, he's been sitting for the last two months. Let's see if he's, you know, learned and developed. I think another thing that we take for granted with Jimmy under center is these these long drives toward the end of the game, like it's almost expected that they score. I, I can't imagine. Like I wish I had this number in front of me, but it feels like they have over five for sure, maybe knocking on the door at 10, like 90-yard drives this season. So when they take over at the end of the game, Jimmy's going to move the ball down the field, and they're going to be in a position to score. Like they didn't always end up with a touchdown, but you just take last game against the Titans. That game-tying drive, that was very well executed. Uh, the Bengals, they marched down the field, the entire or the whole field at the end of the game. Like there are drives, drives, drives over and over again where Jimmy just marches them down the field. And of course, there are guys that are open, but we don't see other teams in the NFL make it look as easy as the 49ers do. So when you talk about just Jimmy playing more, looking more comfortable, that's something, you know, obviously you would hope that they're not in a situation where they are down and have to come back. But even in like a two-minute situation at the end of the half, like that's something to keep an eye on. Is, is Lance as comfortable? Because that was where Garoppolo was at his best. And as a play caller, I would have loved to see Shanahan use more tempo throughout the games, whether it was the Bengals, whether it was the Titans, at any points where they get stagnant instead of, you know, doing what they always do, go into that two-minute situation where, you know, you pick up the pace, play with more tempo. Agreed. And – I think one of the big concerns out of that Cardinals game for Trey Lance was just his, uh, the amount of rushing attempts. I think it was 16 carries for 89 yards against the Cardinals. And a lot of those were just big bruising hits. And when you put your franchise quarterback that you traded three first round picks, three first round picks for in that situation, you just get a little nervous because you see him take these shots from NFL defenders. And you're like, oh man, I hope he just gets up, especially the one on the goal line against Isaiah Simmons and I was rewatching the game and they panned to his mom and she's freaking out up in the stands. And so hopefully Kasha and you know, uh, puts in more of a drop back passing game to complement his rushing ability. And hopefully you see Trey Lance's development as a slider, you know, knowing when to get down as a runner versus knowing when to take on an extra defender. Uh, Cause yeah, there, there's be a couple times where he'd cut back up the sideline and take on extra defenders that, you know, instead of just getting out of bounds and saving the extra yard or two. So just things like that, you know, um, and then is his NFL speed, just, you know, getting quicker, his processing speed, uh, you know, going through his reads, et cetera. How has that just developed? And I think everyone is intrigued to see what he does against the Texans. And we'll probably hit on this later in the podcast, but it is the Texans. So now you're being graded on a curve the other way. When he played the Cardinals at the time, they were one of the, three or four best defenses in all the advanced metrics. We talked about it before we hit record. The defensive line with J.J. Watch, Helen Jones, Zach Allen, they were fantastic. Um, Isaiah Simmons was flying around in that game. The Texans don't have nearly as many playmakers. They're not as well coached. So you figure that Trey Lance should have more success, but we'll probably hit on some of their advanced metrics here in a bit. Uh, but just what are you looking forward to in terms of Lance against Houston? Uh, what do you think he's going to be able to do well? What are your expectations uh, for Lance? Yeah, well, I think he's going to play well just because, as you mentioned, like if you just look across the board, the Texans, they're just not a good defense. I know you, a lot of people will remember what happened last week, but that was just a, a personnel matchup thing. Um, I'm, I've seen enough of the Texans. I'm not going to sit here and act like I've watched every game, but I've seen enough of them to know that they just – 
don't present a lot of threats for you on offense, I guess is a better way to put it. So, or I guess defensively, there's not really a pass rusher that's going to scare you. Um, They're not a team that really has a lot of speed. The Titans were very physical, and we talked about that, and that gave the 49ers running game an issue. That's not going to be an issue for the 49ers. And just talking about coverage-wise, so the Texans live in cover two. They've run the most cover two snaps, or I guess when you talk, when you break down what they do defensively, they've run the most cover two snaps out of the after that. It's so 168 cover two snaps, and then the next closest figure is cover one, and it's 136. So they're going to live in cover two, and that's just what they do. They really don't generate a lot of pressure out of it. They actually allow 12.7 yards per reception. They've given up four touchdown passes, um, 60 first downs. So just if you go down the line, they make life pretty easy on you. And again, you just vacate a lot of areas in the NFL. And if you have a quarterback like Trey Lance, who has a strong arm, he can make you pay. So I do think they're going to have some success, especially if they get Elijah Mitchell back. But I guess what I really want to talk about is, so we all expect him to play well, but what if he doesn't? Like, Imagine the perception if Trey Lance comes out against a Texans team who, again, across the board, probably bottom seven in a lot of, you know, metrics that matter, whether it's um, success rate, um, yards per drive, turnovers, sacks, whatever you want to call it. So you would think that they would play well, but like, what's going to happen if he doesn't? What, like, what do you do? Do you rush Jimmy back? Um, because we saw what happened last year when that happened, uh, his injury kind of compounded. So uh, that's kind of what I'm, what I want to, or I don't want to see that obviously, but I just want to see what the perception around the discussion of Trey Lance's play is like, because we don't know what's going to happen. But if there is even the, like one negative play, I feel like people are going to be up in arms about it. Just back to the advanced metrics, like you mentioned, just to give you know our listeners some perspective, at least from a rushing defense perspective, you know, the Texans right now, they're 25th in rushing defensive DVOA. They're 26th in adjusted line yards given up. They are 27th in uh, rushing EPA per play, and they're 30th in rushing success rate. So they're bottom five in all these key rushing defensive statistics, which leads me to believe that it's going to be a ground and pound attack. And if, say, Elijah Mitchell's back, we'll hit on injuries in a little bit. You get Jeff Wilson, who's just looked better and better each week. Obviously, Debo Samuel and what he gives – uh, out of the backfield, I think it's going to just be a run-heavy game. And I think not a lot is going to be asked of Trey Lance in the downfield passing game. I think they're going to keep his attempts down. I think they're going to keep it very simple for him. Um, so I don't expect a lot of throws for Trey Lance. I don't think it's going to be one of those games where they need him to throw like 25, 30 times. I think they're going to keep his attempts right around 18 to 20. I think he's going to have 10 to 12 rushing attempts but it's going to be one of those Elijah Mitchell, Jeff Wilson games. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, I think they played the Seahawks. I think Rashad, Rashad Penny had like 130 yards rushing and a couple of touchdowns. So I just think it's one of those games that's going to benefit Trey Lance and kind of, you know, not hides him, but kind of eases him in and doesn't give him as many opportunities to screw it up. And as a result, I think the chances that he stinks or doesn't play well is small, but in the event that does happen, um, and he doesn't look good. I still think you can't rush, rush Jimmy Garoppolo back. I think you got to ride with Trey Lance the rest of the season. I get the 49ers haven't clinched a playoff spot yet. I get that it's more likely with the Saints' loss on Monday, but still, I think you got to finish out the season with him here 
you know, the, the remaining two games, the playoff game, whatever you have left, you have to ride with Lance and just see what he's got over these next three games. And so I haven't really thought much about the scenario where he doesn't play well, because I still thought, you know, against the Cardinals and the Seahawks that he looked okay. I don't think, you know, because uh, there's been some games where rookie quarterbacks have bottomed out, and obviously Trey Lance didn't do that in those five quarters or six quarters. And so I don't expect that from him against the Texans. And I think Kyle Shanahan's just too good of a coach to put his young quarterback just in a bad situation. So I don't expect that to happen. But if it does, then all of a sudden people start questioning the picks, and then they lose a game, and then it would be a messy week uh, on the interwebs if Lance and Shanahan lose against the Texans. So Texans defense, they since week nine, because two months of data, that's Fair. all that matters in my mind. 29th in defensive success rate, uh, not good. And if we go to just what they're doing on a drive basis, so the Texans are 26 in yards per drive, 28th in points per drive. They are 26, so they actually have – they don't start well. So if the 49ers special teams can do anything, that would be nice. Um, and then you just keep going down the list. They are actually 29th in drive success rate, where they do get teams in trouble ironically enough, is by forcing turnovers. So they're ninth in turnovers per drive and actually seventh in interceptions per drive. So Trey, take care of the ball. And again, just like last week, I feel like if the 49ers take care of the ball, they don't lose that game. It'll be a lot for the same this week. Um, Still 13-point favorites, which is pretty crazy over the Texans. But another part of the Texans where the 49ers should be able to take advantage is just like their explosive running game. So they're really fast, the 49ers, and they create different angles. And that's how Debo is able to get these one-on-ones down the field. Having Mitchell back will be big. The Texans, since week nine, have allowed the fourth most running plays to go for 15 yards or more. So uh, they do a good job by limiting the big plays in the passing game, but that's just because of how they play defense and their cover two shell or whatever. You can still dink and dunk and find the intermediate plays, but you should be able to run the ball all over them. And as you said, I, I imagine we'll see a lot of that. Do you think, knowing that, like, let's say the keys are handed to Trey, like he is the guy, will he still be getting double-digit carries, whether it's this week, next week? I think if they do make the playoffs, you run the hell out of him. Like, you're going to use that to advantage. But against a team like the Texans, wouldn't you – I guess I don't know if this is what you would rather do, but wouldn't you rather have him get his feet under him as a passer, you know, learn the ropes of the defense, you know, just dropping back, passing, learning the game, as opposed to – running him into the teeth of the defense, as we saw against the Cardinals? You'd like that, but I think Kyle Shanahan doesn't look at it that way. He looks Time at it win, baby. very much very much in a vacuum. And we've we've often argued this, right? Like, why don't they give Trey Lance reps in a meaningless game or uh, in a game where they're up big, like against Jacksonville or at home against Atlanta? But he doesn't look at it that way. He looks at it like, let me just win this game in a vacuum. Let me go 1-0 this week. Take care of business. He, I think he's been burned too many times late in games where he's like, I'm not pulling starters. Like, And so with that mindset, I'm sure coming into, you know, the Texans game in his mindset, he's not looking at it like, ah, it's the Texans. Like, we can try this. We can try that and beat them. He's probably still, you know, uh, game planning for them like they're the Green Bay freaking Packers. And he's going to go out and try to beat 1-0 this week. So I don't think he looks at it from that perspective. I'm sure he looks at it like it's a kitchen sink game even though fans and people covering the team probably look at it differently. Um, but I, I do agree with you that you'd hope that they look at this game more of, hey, let's get Lance eased in, however that is. Let's not just run him into the ground. 
Though I would think if week 18 against the Rams becomes a must win or a playoff game, at that point, it's a kitchen sink game. You do whatever you got to win. And I'm sure they'd run Lance like into the ground if they had to. Um, whatever they had to do to make it comfortable, to put him in a position to be successful for the team to potentially win. I'm sure they'll end up doing that, which probably is a lot of designed runs for Trey Lance, uh, similar to what he did at North Dakota State. So I, I'd imagine more of that in Week 18 and maybe a playoff game if they get there, but hopefully not this week against the Texans. Hopefully it's just one of those, you know, they take care of their business. It's like the Atlanta game or like the Jacksonville game, double-digit point favorites. They're playing an inferior opponent. Houston does not have the horses to hang. Ignore what happened last week. And hopefully Trey Lance and the company just they just take care of business and then you go on to next week and see what happens. So Trey Lance is getting 25 carries. You heard it here first. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the 49ers injuries, more Texans talk, and then we're going to project to the playoffs. All right, so the 49ers, aside from Jimmy G, also suffered a couple other key injuries. So Elijah Mitchell might play on Sunday. That's the good news. Unfortunately, Aziz Alshire is going to miss the next two weeks. It sounds like the 49ers will get him back if they do make the playoffs. Dre Greenlaw, Kyle Shannon's more hopeful that he plays against the Rams, not so much against the Texans. That means it's down to Fred Warner. It's down to Demetrius Flanagan Foles. It's down to Marcel Harris. Demetrius Flanagan Foles and Marcel Harris, they are not the greatest tacklers, and that is the nicest way I could put that. Um, DJ Jones has an ankle injury. Not sure if he is going to play. He's probably going to be day-to-day. Um, they need him. He is very good. He is a guy that, I mean, I feel like we talk about quite a bit. And then Emmanuel Mosley, he is probably not going to play this week. Uh, Shannon said there's an outside chance that he plays next week against the Rams, but um, he's probably, again, a lot of these guys, there's it seems like they're just crossing their fingers, hoping that they make the playoffs, and that's when they'll be able to be at full strength. Um, was that the case against the Vikings a couple of years ago when they made the playoffs. Didn't they have a yep. bunch of guys come back? D I mean, Ford, D Ford, Quan yeah. Alexander. That's right. Uh, Quan. It was D Ford, Quan Alexander, Kwaski Tart. He's got the whole um, band back. They got the whole band back. I remember because towards the end of that season and, you know, when they blew the Falcons game at home in 2019, that was the big excuse, right? They didn't have no K1, no Sherman, no K1, yeah. no Sherman, no Tart, no Ford, no Alexander. And they blew that game. Um, and so they got a bunch of guys back, and it feels really similar to that this season where they just are able to sneak in. They'll get a couple guys back on defense, and depending on the matchup, you just, just never know. But there's a huge unknown now at quarterback, and so it makes it hard to project what this team's going to look like. Because with – I was thinking about this. With Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback, you could use, you know, their – you know, the last eight weeks, you know, their EPA, success rate, all that stuff to project what they may look like. But now with Trey Lanes, you just have no idea just – are they going to execute the same way? Is their offense going to look the same? How does the rushing game change? Like, you just have no idea. And that's almost an advantage for Kyle Shanahan coming into the final stretch of the season that now he has this new kind of thing to throw out defenses. So it could, could be viewed positively. And he does have that, you know, extra few days to prepare as well. So we, we could see a couple more wrinkles. So I asked you this before we started recording, and it seems far-fetched, but I want to talk about Elijah Mitchell versus Emmanuel Mosley and just how, what Elijah Mitchell really means to this team. So my question, the question that I posed was like, who is more important? Would it be a running back or a cornerback? So naturally you would think cornerback, but when Elijah Mitchell plays, this offense goes to another level. And the, the common theme is that running backs are replaceable and even more so in a Kyle Shanahan offense, but Jeff Wilson, when he's played the season, so he started seven games, which I feel like, 
I mean, that just tells you that kind of scares you about yeah. Mitchell's durability um, moving forward. But so he had against the Falcons, Wilson had a great game. He ran for 110 yards. He averaged 5.2 yards a carry. It was the Falcons. Outside of that, so his yards per carry against the Rams, 2.8. Jaguars, 2.6. Vikings, 2.5. Bengals, 4.3. Titans, 3.2. That is not going to get it done. And, of course, it's not all on him, but it feels like whenever Mitchell plays, like when he is on the field, the 49ers running game goes to an entire new level. We know how important the running game is when, you know, in this offense, like just how they are able to pass the ball off of it, whether it's play action or just, you know, stay ahead of the chains and do their little dink and dunk game. So um, in my mind, I feel like it's close. It would be closer than people would think. But of course, I mean, <laughs> we're, we're seeing what AJ Brown just did. We saw what Jamar Chase and T Higgins did. So it's tough to say that Emmanuel Mosley isn't more important, but I just think that we should be giving more credit to what Mitchell does mean to this offense. Absolutely. And when you just say it in a vacuum, right? Elijah Mitchell or Emmanuel Mosley, I think most fans would immediately go, duh, take Emmanuel Mosley. I want him out there over Ambry Thomas or Josh Norman because he's probably the best corner on the team. And But the more you think about it, you're like, ah, it's actually closer than I originally thought because you're right. I think a Kyle Shanahan, you know, scheme provides some baseline level of competency for running backs like you can yes you can throw in any running back and they'll provide some level of competency but there are certain running backs like Elijah Mitchell like a Raheem Mostert that have this explosiveness that takes his running scheme to a whole another level and is able to turn you know a three-yard run into a seven-yard run or a seven-yard run into like a 20-yard run and that's just that's just been missing in this offense when he hasn't played uh, with his like 18,000 injuries. Uh, and Debo Samuel's actually been the one that's provided that explosiveness and vision uh, with Elijah Mitchell out. And so I'd actually lean that Mitchell is important to this offense because with him, now you have, again, another playmaker and just sort of provides some like ease and comfort to this running game. And Kyle Shanahan just leans on him. Uh, more consistently than any other running back that this team has had over you know the last four years. So I'd feel more comfortable with Mitchell being back and Emmanuel Mosley being out than the other way around, actually. So Mosley's numbers compared to the other two are pretty crazy. Um, yeah. So Emmanuel Mosley on 35 targets has allowed a 45% completion percentage, 6.1 yards per target, and has 10 pass breakups which is outstanding. Like it would be tough to play better from a number standpoint. Of course, he has two dropped interceptions and there's a few plays that you remember where you'd like to have back. But when you remember how the other two have played, so Josh Norman on 45 targets is allowing 62% completion percentage, 9.7 yards per target. So 3.1 or sorry, 3.6 yards per target more and has five fewer pass breakups, even though he's been targeted 10 more times. That's not good. Not okay. If you go to Ambry Thomas, who is a rookie, who is new, he's allowing a 61% completion percentage. His yards per target is 14.3. That just means he's getting beat left and right down the field. And of course, he does have six pass breakups. So he he is, you know, in position. And then he, you know, he probably should have had a couple interceptions um, against the Falcons as well. But I mean, it just goes to show you they need mostly back. Like if they're going to be a serious team in the playoffs, if they're going to be a team that's able to compete with, you know, whatever the Cowboys throw at them, like they're more than likely they're going to play the Cowboys or the Bucks. Um, you look at those weapons and you don't want to take the field 
without either of those two. So, yeah, just an interesting discussion. I thought um, it, it, Mitchell, very good player. Uh, Mosley, very good player. But you need your very good players to play against the very good teams. I think that's the simplest way to put it. All right, let's turn turn back to uh, the uh, Trey Lance and just talk about what's changed since then. And we've touched on this a little bit because, you know, I'm seeing people talk about Lance as if he's been starting this whole time. Like We, we don't know what to expect. Um, so obviously Jimmy has good numbers on the surface, but, you know, we watch the games and we know a lot of this is pumped up, whether it's Yak, whether it's, you know, just the offense, the Kyle Shanahan offense in general. But people go back to Trey Lance and they, they look at his numbers and forget that, hey, uh, Kittle was not playing that game. When Kittle plays, as we've seen in the past month, he's been arguably the most valuable player on offense in the NFL. That's not a quarterback. Uh, he's been very, very good. Speaking of most valuable players, Debo Samuel. When the 49ers were playing the Cardinals, or just early in the season, in no way were they using him as a running back or in the same manner that they are now. It seemed like you know his his role was a lot more limited. And I know he had the production, but they weren't doing the same things with Debo. The way that Brandon Ayuk's emerged as a player, I feel like he's allowed them to move Debo around a little bit more. So uh, those three have taken their games to another level, as has the offensive line. Everybody knows about Trent Williams, but I think Lakin Thompson is very, very good. And then the right side of the line, they've been able to hide them a little bit more. I actually think Lance's legs and mobility will be able will be a good thing for Tom Compton and Daniel Brunskill. So, I mean, that's a lot right there that has changed. And then that's before we talk about Lance getting scout team reps for two and a half months against the 49ers defense that he's supposed to be carving up. So just knowing that you would assume that we're going to get a much better version of Lance this time around. And when I say much better version, like it wasn't as if he went out there and stunk it up against the Cardinals either. That's the biggest thing. And maybe it's because that Cardinals game was early in the season. Uh, maybe it left a bad taste in people's mouths because it was a loss. And, you know, it was part of like a four game skid, but I went back and watched um, and it, the game wasn't as bad as, as uh, I feel like most people talk about it now. It was a 17-10 game. Uh, I thought that, you know, defensively, the 49ers played outstanding. They might have been their best game against Kyler Murray defensively. So it kept the 49ers offense uh, in that game longer. But I think the biggest uh, area of improvement for the 49ers is they were 4 of 16 on third and fourth down in that game. And they were in a lot of third and longs. And Rob, our producer, mentioned this before we hit record. It felt like there were a ton of penalties, and there were on early downs that set the 49ers' offense back. And now Trey Lance is working at a second and 15 or second and 20, and then it becomes like a third and 11. And so, you know, those are difficult situations for a rookie quarterback to be in because when you're in third and long or fourth and long, it's a known passing situation. And Trey Lance's legs were used in, in some of those spots, but – you know, that it just puts him in a more difficult spot when now, you know, Vance Joseph can get creative with his pressure schemes and you're having to diagnose defenses and, and all that stuff. So if the 49ers offense is a little bit more successful in the early downs, they could stay on schedule. It's only going to help Lance. And like I mentioned, I think they were one for five on fourth down. So they turned the ball over four times on downs. And so if you actually look at, you know, Trey Lance had a couple poor decisions like that interception on the opening drive. But outside of that, he largely had a, a good amount of plus plays where maybe he'd extend the play out of the pocket um, and he had a, some really good throws, one to, you know, Mohamed Sanu on like third and 15 that he dropped. So there were a lot of positive takeaways from that game. And let's just see if he can build off of that 
like you mentioned, with all the other things that's also going right for the 49ers offense, Debo being, you know, used more effectively, Brandon Ayuk emerging, George Kittle actually playing this week, uh, their offensive line being one of the top pass blocking lines in the NFL, and then Kyle Shanahan finding rhythm as a play caller. So put all those things together, and you assume Trey Lance has developed over the last few months. His finger, which was supposedly hurt early in the season, that's fully healed. His knee sprain fully healed. So you just think, okay, healthy Trey Lance, developed, all these pieces coming back together against a defense that's largely bottom 10 in a lot of, you know, uh, statistics. And you just think they, they've got to be successful, right? And you'd hope that they just develop from that uh, Arizona game and they just stack another game and, and then you go from there. But I'm expecting to see good things from Trey Lance. Hopefully they keep that rushing attempts number down closer to 10, not, you know, 15, 16. And just let him spread the ball around to his playmakers and, you know, let them create after the catch like they've been doing all season. And hopefully Shanahan puts him in a position to succeed because he's not thinking, okay, hey, it's just one game of Trey Lance and then we got to flip back to Jimmy Garoppolo. Hopefully he views it as, okay, now it's Trey Lance from here on out. And you, this just kind of sets the table for the both of them. So you mentioned penalties last time around. The 49ers had seven penalties against the Cardinals. So two of them came on one drive by none other than Josh Norman, to give the Cardinals a touchdown. That can't happen this time around. Two of them also came on a drive where Trent Williams had a holding as they were driving on the 45 of the Cardinals. Uh, they actually were able to overcome that that penalty. They made it third and seven. Um, after that, Trey ran for eight yards, first down. That play comes back because McGlinchey's called for a holding. So that drive is stalled right there. So those, those four penalties right there that are essentially taking points off the board in both in both directions. Again, if they find a way to get out of their own way, I feel like they will be fine. But we say that every freaking week, and that's why they're towing the line of 500. So, all right. Davis Mills, Lovey Smith, Brandon Cooks. Like, the Texans, Davis Mills has – I don't want to say he's been playing well, but he was playing so poorly, poorly early in the season – that we're just seeing what happens when a rookie quarterback gets a chance to play and learn from his reps. So he, he's been putting up numbers. He had some really nice throws last week, and I guess I would be a little terrified knowing that he was doing that without Brandon Cooks and just mention the cornerback's numbers. Uh, it's going to be tough for them to slow down anybody, but I just think, I mean, the pass rush is going to be able to do what they do and get after Davis Mills a little bit and just provide a lot more resistance than the Chargers were able to last week. Um, I brought it when I bring up uh, Lovey Smith. So I, I talked about the coverage numbers. They they live in cover two. They can't. So their coverage grade from PFF as a team when they're in cover two is forty three point six. Uh, not great. When they are in cover three, which is the third most defense they run, uh, their coverage grade is twenty nine. That is worse than not good. A lot of the things that you see just from looking at their numbers and coverage, it shows up on the field. Um, I, I really think Kyle Shannon will be able to help pick them apart. So I'm not, I'm not too worried about the Texans. I do think though, there will be big plays in the secondary just because it happens every game and there's no real reason to, you know, believe that that won't happen. But the third down defense was a concern last week. And, you know, as much as, as much as we've talked about, you know, the 49ers offense and how they shot themselves in the footer, just turned the ball over. Uh, Ryan Tannehill made a ton of plays. And the 49ers defense did not. Like I said, that's what it boiled down to. And that's a, a big part of the reason, you know, why they came out not victorious. Do you think the third down defense is something that we have to worry about? Or is that just an aberration in one game? 
it's a combination of both. And when you know when you go back and watch that Titans offense against Four Niners defense, and we talked about this, you know, uh, before we hit record, they were able to take away the Four Niners pass rush. Uh, they went max protect, which means keeping in, you know, seven players to block um, on a lot of situations and a lot of known passing situations, which would mean three man routes. And the 40, and they were just AJ Brown was just able to take advantage of this 49ers defense, which normally you'd think, okay, the offense is running, you know, uh, just three players who are, you know, eligible pass catchers. You'd think that's an advantage for the defense, but the Titans were just able to make plays. Ryan Tannehill's fantastic from the pocket. So I think it's a combination of both. I don't think it's necessarily a problem that's going to linger um, into the season or as, you know, over the, the next few games, but um the pat, you could tell that the team's very pass rush dependent because when that pass rush doesn't get home, their secondary just isn't talented enough. And by secondary, I really mean that cornerbacks yes. aren't talented enough to cover for five, six, seven seconds. And so, if you know uh, the opposing offensive line is just to hold up for a little bit, then the opposing quarterback, if he's good enough, is going to be able to carve up this defense. So, but we've known that, right? We we knew that coming into the season with this team. We knew that once Jason Brett and Emmanuel Mosley went down, that they've got a weakness and it's on the coaching staff and the other parts of the team to be able to shield that weakness. And on Thursday night, they weren't able to do that. The offense wasn't able to put up enough points in that first half when, when the defense was playing well. And obviously the pass rush wasn't able to get anything going kind of later in that game to no fault of their own. And so the secondary was exposed on some of these third and long, but I bet it's a point of emphasis this week. And I'm sure D'Amico Rhines and that coaching staff is working on ways to try and hide their quarterbacks better. Let's jump to the playoffs because that's what people want to talk about. And I don't know if you've ever played around with ESPN's playoff simulator, but you can go down a massive rabbit hole and waste a lot of time on there. Um, I have, so I'm speaking from experience. But as it stands right now, 49ers are the sixth seed. They would play the Rams – in the final or obviously in the wild card round. So before we get there, do you think so? We're talking about the Rams have a chance to clinch this week, and that way week 18 does not mean anything. For whatever reason, people seem to think that Sean McVay will take it light on the 49ers. I could not disagree more. I think he's going to go all in and do everything he can to keep the 49ers up, hypothetically out of the playoffs, assuming that. You know, who knows if they clinch this week, but I just don't see a scenario where, you know, the Rams are going to rest their players knowing that, you know, you're not going to have a bye weekend. You could see this team uh, the next week. What do you think? I agree with that. I, I, I don't think there's a scenario where Sean McVay says, ah, let me just rest Matt Stafford. Let me just rest some of these guys. Let me let my buddy Kyle Shanahan just kind of waltz into the playoffs. The same guy that's beat me five straight times you know, beat me with Nick Mullins at home last year. I'm sure that that stuff leaves such a bad taste in Sean McVay's mouth and nothing would make him happier than to eliminate Shanahan's team on week 18 at home. Um, But if you're a 49ers fan, if you're Shanahan, if you're whatever um, on the team, you're hoping that you're able to clinch a playoff spot this week. And there's a chance for that given what happened on Monday night. So I went through and broke down some of the playoff scenarios. So say the 49ers were to win against the Texans, a a Saints loss against the Panthers would clinch them a playoff spot. So they would be in the playoffs. The seed would be up for grabs because they could be the sixth seed. They could be the seventh seed, depending on what happens week 18. But you would clinch a playoff spot. So then all of a sudden, if the Rams and the 49ers clinch a playoff spot, maybe week 18 looks a little different. 
But if the 49ers win and the Saints win, then week 18, you're still playing for something. And like I mentioned, the 49ers still control their own destiny. So if they went out, if they go 2-0, and they're making the playoffs no matter what else happens. If they go 1-1, one and one, then you need at least one Saints loss or two Eagles losses, basically, is the way to look at it. And um, so the Week 18 game, really, we won't know if it's a must-win game, if it's kind of just a whatever game until the results of this week. Both the Saints and the 49ers play in the afternoon slot, so you won't know until 4.30 or whatever if the 49ers have made the playoffs. But I tweeted this out. I think it would be a pretty cool scene if Trey Lance makes his first home start, 49ers win against the Texans, the Saints lose, they clinch a playoff spot. It'd be a pretty cool culmination of what's happened this season. Even though the 49ers process up until this point has been completely wonky, the result would be uh, pretty cool, I think, at Levi Stadium uh, on Sunday. If that were to happen, um, then, yeah, I could see Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan kind of resting some guys uh, accordingly. So looking at some of the lines from Vegas right now on DraftKings, the Eagles are three-and-a-half-point favorites on the road against Washington's football team. And the Saints are six and a half point favorites against the Panthers. So Cam Newton, Sam Darnold, whatever you're doing, stop and do the opposite. That way the 49ers can clinch. That would be nice. So the look ahead lines for week 18, which matter. So the Saints would be only three and a half point favorites on the road against the Falcons and the Eagles. Who do they have? Oh, they have the they have the Cowboys, right? They yes. have Cowboys. So the Eagles are actually uh, three and a half point underdogs in the look ahead line what would you guess the rams and 49ers line would be at los angeles probably rams minus three and a half the rams are six and a half point favorites as of today yeah so um that is a little bit surprising but it's just so so much of the unknown so i imagine if the 49ers play well and you know odds makers are, are able to see hey this lance guy can cut it um that would be Something else, but yeah, a touch yeah, a, a touchdown is uh is pretty high for a divisional opponent, uh, knowing that the history of these two teams. But still, you know they're going based on trends, based on how the teams are playing. And the last thing you remember is the 49ers against the Titans, and that did not go well. So yeah, um, walking through all those playoff scenarios, what's the most likeliest you think happens? Are the 49ers going to make it? I do think the 49ers will make it, but. Like you mentioned, there is the scenario where the Saints go 2-0, the Eagles go 2-0, the 49ers go 1-1, and the 49ers on the outside looking in. So there, there is that scenario that's still a possibility, and obviously the Saints play the Panthers and the Falcons, two inferior opponents, two opponents they should beat. But they've got a ton of COVID issues. Mm-hmm. Like, who's playing quarterback for them? Is it Ian Book? and Taysom Hill? Yeah, who's playing quarterback for them is probably their biggest question mark because they look putrid on Monday night with Ian Book. They could generate no offense whatsoever your defense is banged up uh best case scenario for the 49ers you clinch a playoff spot this week you beat the texans the saints drop a game against the panthers at home i believe and you just take care of business then week 18 becomes there's just a lot less pressure on that game right you know going into a game where you know week 18 must win game it would have like a 2019 seattle week 17 type vibe where man, we got to win this game. And that was a little different because they had clinched the playoff spot. It was more, they were either the one seed or the five seed, which is still a big deal, but it would just feel a lot different. And with a rookie quarterback on the road, that's a lot of pressure for them to be in that spot against a better team, especially. 
So you, you would just hope they take care of business this week and, you know, the, the, everything kind of works out where you, you go into week 18 and it, it's more of a developmental week rather than uh, we got to win this week to make the playoffs. But everything being said, I do think they get in. Um, it would be a travesty if they don't because they're better than the Saints with whoever they have a quarterback. They're better than the Eagles. They're better than the Falcons. They're better than the Vikings. They're better than all these teams. And for them to be eight and seven at this point in the season is – kind of a joke just because of all the mistakes oh, that they made in these various games. They're too talented to be where they are record-wise, and it would be a huge disappointment if they were to miss the playoffs this season because you and I have long said if they make the playoffs with this team, even if they're a one-and-done, I'll consider it a successful season because it's only the second time they made the playoffs under Kyle Shanahan, whatever. But they missed the playoffs with this roster in this bad of an NFC. That's just – not a good look, regardless of the whole Lance coming in the end of the season, whatever. It's just, yeah, got to get it. I think the odds are better that the Eagles lose twice than the Saints lose twice. So Washington's going to be a tough out, and it's on the road, divisional opponent. And then I don't think Dallas is going to let up at all. So I feel like there's a there's a better scenario that we're heading to Dallas, which would be fun, as opposed to Tampa Bay. And again. I, I think they get in, too, just because, I mean, the NFL has been so wonky this year. And whatever you think is going to happen doesn't. So I actually think they end up as a seven seed and they, they do play Dallas. But it'll be interesting no matter what. There's going to be so many endless scenarios that we're going to be able to go through. Um, I wonder how much scoreboard watching will be happening this week as the 49ers kick off at 105. And the I believe the next game is 125 for the, uh, the Saints game. Yeah, so uh, a lot of peaking over there. I'm going to have that game up just to be watching and see what's going on. Um, but thank you, everybody. That will do it for us. Uh, let, let's get a prediction before we get out of here because, again, 49ers are 13-point favorites against the Texans despite Trey Lance playing six quarters this season. Uh, Davis Mills, he is trending the right way, but I think that line just tells you what what the Texans really are as opposed to you know what they showed last week. So, uh, what, Akash, what do you got? I'll go 49ers, 27, Texans – 17. I don't think the 49ers cover the 13 points or 12 and a half points or whatever the line is, but I do think they win by double digits. I think it's fairly comfortable. I think Trey Lance looks good. I think the offense looks good. I think all of a sudden post game, you're thinking, okay, if Lance just looks like this, like what can the 49ers do? I think the tide completely shifts from last week and you know, the fans are back on the, the train uh, the playoff train, uh, no uh, pun intended there. So I think it's a big win, and it's Texans. 49ers a better team. Got a better coach, maybe a better quarterback. You just take care of business. It's that simple. Your score prediction. 27-13. I think the 49ers do cover. I think it's more so that, you know, Davis Mills doesn't have the type of success that he's had in recent weeks. And the offense is, is able to do a lot of what they want. There's going to be mistakes. And I feel like we should say that, like, no matter how highly you are, how high you feel about Trey Lance. Yes, he's a number three overall pick, but uh, rookies make mistakes. And this is still very early in the season for him. So knowing this is his second start, knowing that this is going to be the seventh quarter that he takes the field, I'm expecting that there is going to be a mistake that the 49ers will, able, will have to overcome. But I don't think that's going to be an issue against the Texans. And I think we're just in for some exciting football. And uh, there's going to be a lot to discuss next week when we tune in. So whether hopefully that is all good news. Hopefully we're talking about a clinched playoff berth. As always, please rate, subscribe, review, wherever it is you get your podcast. Thank you as always for listening. Happy holidays and go Niners.